Hey everyone and welcome to the Living with Power Hope podcast. I'm your host Lena Ibijamra and I am so glad you're here. As you know by now, every couple of weeks on the show I invite a friend to join me and we talk about hope. We talk about how we lose our hope, how to get it back and how to keep it for good. Uh, today we're going to talk about hope when life is unfair and I honestly cannot wait to introduce you to my guest. Uh, she underst- really, truly understands what it's like to find hope when you've been wrongly treated. You're going to hear her story in a minute, but please let me tell you a little bit about her, if you don't mind. And uh, there's a whole lot to say about Sarah Sumner, but uh, I'll just give you the highlights. She holds a PhD in systematic theology from Trinity Evangelical Divinity School here in Chicago and also has an MBA from Azusa Pacific University. Sarah is actually the first woman to have graduated with a PhD in systematic theology from uh, Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, which is a huge deal. And uh, she is the only woman theologian in the U.S. to have served as a dean of a conservative evangelical seminary. And you're going to hear that, I think, in a minute. She'll tell us more about her experience. But let me also um, let you know that she's published four books. Um, Many of you might be familiar with uh, one of her books that is extremely uh, popular, is in its 12th printing right now. It's called Men and Women in the Church, Building Consensus on Christian Leadership. That book has been just a huge book in the discussion on on the role of men and women in the church. Her most recent book is Angry Like Jesus, um, which she just told me is going to be published in Korean, Angry Like Jesus, Using His Example to Spark Your Moral Courage. Moral Courage is something that Sarah is extremely excited about. Her most recent an awesome project that I'm a part of. Uh, she founded Right On Mission, where she's currently the president. And uh, this service, it's a seminary really that offers four seminary services, mission statement services, speaking services, that's where me, I fit in, and uh, consulting services. Sarah will also hopefully tell us more about that and, and really what she does there. She's benefited me so much. She and I worked on my mission statement recently, and I continue to hold it sort of before me as I navigate my life in ministry. So enough with all this talk. Um, let me introduce you to my dear friend, Sarah. Hey, Sarah. Hi, Lena. It's so good to be with you as always. Yeah. You know, it's fun to sort of think about all that a person is. Like when you sit down and think about highlighting the things that a person has done, it's just, it's just really fun to me to see how uh, God has weaved your story and it's happened over years. And wow, just incredible what he's done, huh? Yeah, it is. I'm, I'm a, I grew up in a little tiny town in Canadian, Texas. I never even dreamed I would live in a city where you had to lock the door of your own house or your car. <laughs> and then you came to Chicago, right? <laughs> yeah, but, I moved to Chicago. Take us back there. I mean, how did you come to know Jesus? Just give us a little bit about your story early on. Oh, you know, I'm so blessed. I had a mom and dad who taught us about the Lord so that by the time I could talk, I mean, I knew the difference between Peter Pan and Peter. And I knew the difference between Jesus and Santa Claus. I I, I, didn't, I grew up knowing the Lord. I think I became a Christian when I was three. My wow. dad bought me a full set of Bible commentaries that I had in my bedroom before I could even read. Wow. And I was, I was raised to know the Lord. I was helping my dad. My dad was a rancher, but sometimes he would substitute for the preacher. And when he did, I got to help daddy with writing sermons. And that was That's fun. Crazy. I was just a little kid. I was like a third grader helping my dad, but he let me, but my dad made us learn the Bible and I couldn't get baptized until I had a discussion with my dad on the book of Acts. I had to explain to him that I knew fully what was going on. And when I got, after I got baptized, my dad served me communion. And so my, I would attribute my parents and my mother was so faithful to read Bible stories every night, but I think my dad had a big part in that. 
Well, it, and it sounds so idyllic, like, you know, this this all-American, you know, sort of ranching life in the word, sort of what the United States was founded on, no matter what people say about it these days. But 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 really, we like to talk about hope on this podcast. And it wasn't long before something happened. I guess it was a few years after that. But tell us a bit about sort of that first big moment in your life when your hope was shaken a little bit. Yeah. Well, you know, I was, I've always been kind of the, I see the half glass, you know, the water is half full. Is a glass half full or half empty? I'm one of those half full people. And I have a history of, of my friends seeing that I was just never angry growing up. And I thought things were better than they were. And um, my my parents were, were um, having a different kind of marriage than I understood. Mm. Little by little, I started catching on because daddy stopped going to church when we were in, when I was in seventh grade and daddy lost weight and he was buying these suits. He looks, my dad was so handsome. And I was like, but something's wrong. Why is, what is happening here? And it turns out my father who's deceased now and ended on repentance. So this story ends well, but in those years in the seventies, my father was so unfaithful to my mother and they ended up getting a divorce so it, by the time I graduated college, almost all in one day, it was in one little cluster of weeks, but it kind of felt like one big historic day. Um, I broke up with my boyfriend, my initiative. I just didn't think I was going to marry him. I graduated from college and my parents got a divorce. Wow. And I didn't know. It was a lot. And, and almost that exact day, I also ended up with an eating disorder and I didn't even know what an eating disorder is I I didn't know that but but I found out later oh that's what's going on and the whole reason why is because I I was so locked up inside because I didn't know how to be angry and wasn't used to being angry and I thought I'm a Christian and Christians aren't supposed to be angry and but I was I was so upset about my parents' divorce and and I guess I didn't I didn't put it in terms of I don't have hope. I my problem was I thought there's hope for this and and my parents are hopeless and mm-hmm. you can't infuse other people with hope they don't want to have and that's something where people could lose their hope that somebody else won't hope you know yeah and so uh, you were by then you had gone into uh, like Christian work were you getting a master's where, where were you in your career at that point. Yeah, you know, I I started teaching um, Sunday school when I was in really at the very end of sixth grade, but all through seventh grade through starting in seventh grade, I've just never not taught. And so I was very involved in numerous ways. Um, All through college, I taught a big class of college students for I mean, like 300 college students would show up of a 500 person class, you know, so I did a lot of that. And um, no, I didn't have the master's degree in theology yet. But I, you know what, I was a Bible teacher and mm-hmm. I knew God, the big thing is I knew God. And and that's the difference is that when I say I became a Christian, some people say like, I prayed a little prayer when I was three or I did something, but I didn't really know what happened to me is I met God and that, and that changed everything. Like you felt like that was the season in the painful place, like where God really had met you and it sort of more personally and intimately than before. Well, no, what I'm saying is I knew God when I was three. So I knew God the whole time. And so I'm saying, I think having hope has so much to do with 
do you do are you in a relationship with God? Do you know him? Kind of like how like I know you. I I know him. But you still though despite having that hope Sarah, you still had some like you were still working through stuff. So you can have hope and still work through some pretty heavy stuff. Like you started down this path of the eating disorder. Were you trying to control your life or tell me a bit more about sort of what was happening in that? In yeah, case. I mean I just I just hated I just hated I hated the decisions my parents were making and I couldn't I couldn't, I had no power and, and I didn't know, I wasn't in touch with my own anger. I didn't even know how to give myself permission to be that honest. So when I learned, wow, I really am angry. And then I confessed it, which was an act of honesty. And I didn't know I was being dishonest with myself, but that's really what the problem was. And so it's like, you you can accidentally lock yourself up and not know that's what you're doing, right? And so what I'm trying to say about knowing God is that, I mean, the, the stark, stark reality for me was that I, I I thought my parents knew God, and then I didn't know if they did or not. And later, decades later, my dad asked me, wow, did I even know God back then? And wow. I said, Daddy, you know, I don't know. I can tell you know him now. But my dad questioned if he even knew the Lord. And so that was so, so strange. The father who raised me, in all of this, he knew he knew what to do, but did he know God? That was another question. That's that's good. I mean, and but even even with that, like, how did you how did you get to a place of even recognizing those things? Do you feel like God made it clear? Like, how did you get out of that hole of eating disorder? Like, did God just rescue you, or how did you like? Sometimes you know you're what? In- I truthed my way out. I had to truth my way out. And and my father was very negligent as a dad. Um, I, I've told you the ways he was very diligent, and then he had his whole negligence too. He was gone a lot, and he did a lot of unsavory things. And um, I I started realizing, wow, I I hate my dad. I think my mother is an angel and my dad is a devil and I'm like daddy. I, I was afraid I was because I'm nurture like my dad, just in a lot of my giftedness and my kind of way, my approach to life of how I, how I am is so much more nature like my dad. And I was trying to so much be nurture like my mother. And it's kind of like my dad was the younger prodigal son and my mother was the older prodigal son. I didn't have the, I didn't have that language um, at the time, but for me, it was, it was being honest and then going, good grief, I'm trying to be this good Christian, and, and, and I hate my dad. And, but that's when I started getting well. And so I started telling Daddy, Daddy, um, I think I hate you. And Daddy, he didn't even, he's like, what? He, he didn't understand me. And I was so mad. Uh, and, the, and so I didn't slam a door, say a cuss word or anything like that, uh, which I know some people do. But for me, that's not how it played out. For me, it was being honest to where I would I would basically cry a lot uh, and realizing, I mean, sometimes I would just get on the floor and bang and kick and scream just before God alone in prayer of telling God, I'm so upset. I hate this. And it's not that I hated my dad, really. Right. I hated his yeah. decision. I hated I hated what he was deciding. But so for me to get well was a lot of hard truths a lot. And things like, I'm scared to death. 
if I'm not really thin, is, is, is my husband, I don't have a husband, but will my future husband cheat on me if I don't have a perfect figure? My mother is beautiful. And I mean, she was beautiful from head to toe, face and form. And I'm like, good grief. If she doesn't have it, I'm not, I don't, I'm not as pretty as she is. I'm in big trouble. So a lot of it was my fear of the future that I didn't even, wasn't even living so, so it's kind of like when you talk about it in terms of hope, like, did I have hope that a, a husband would love me? I'm like, I'm freaking out and thinking, what if he doesn't? And daddy, daddy, you're ruining my life. And you're, and then realizing, well, I'm being really selfish. And now it's about my life. And so it was so many, it was telling the truth over and over and over. And that's how I, and every kind of layer that I could come up with, which was very humbling. And that's, and then that's how the Lord lifted me out. He just had to say, you have to completely surrender to truth at every level about yourself. And it's very indicting for you, your mother and your dad, you know, I have a brother and sister too, but to say, how honest am I willing to be? Because hope is found in the land of truth and it's not found outside of the land of truth, real hope. So, uh, so basically, one of the things that I've admired about you, Sarah, is that you have you make no bones about repentance, and I think there's hope in repentance. And and you really, to this day, you have modeled sort of this taking to God everything, and like right. we try to hide some things from the Lord. And I I just right. find that something that I think we don't do enough in the church. Repent. Yeah, yeah, that's a big thing for me. I mean, if we can repent our way out of anything, and so that I I think that that is the key to hope. Will you tell the truth and are you willing to repent? Because if you'll tell the truth and you're willing to repent, we have all the hope of heaven. Amen to that. Now, I want to fast forward a little bit because I, really where your story sort of gets crazy is years later. So you get your PhD, you're writing these like life-changing book for many Christians, men and women in church. And so things are sort of going well for you for a long time, right? And then tell us a bit about that. Like bring us up to speed as to, by the time you got to where you are right now in Reading. Like how did yeah, that? Yeah, so the short of it is I, I graduated from Baylor, then I graduated from Wheaton College. Then I worked for a publisher because I knew I wanted to write books. So I, I worked for IVP to make sure I knew what I was doing. And I ended up writing men and women in the church. I, I, I was a professor for over 12 years at Azusa Pacific University. And I wrote a, a book called Leadership Above the Line and got to speak at the White House and the Pentagon and all these things happened. And, you know, and I, I, I wrote a book called Just How Married Do You Want to Be? And all these different doors opened, and I ended. I would turn down a lot of jobs, a lot of a lot of executive roles, because I wanted to write books. And and I I ended up, however, in 2009, getting offered a deanship for a, a an unknown seminary called A. W. Tozer Theological Seminary, and it basically needed to have somebody just infuse it with the DNA and build it from the ground up. That was a job I couldn't resist. So I decided to say yes to it. It seemed like such a, a hand in glove kind of uh, fit. And to about, let's see, 16 months into the job, we had broken. I, I got to, I changed everything there was to change there, except the name of the place. I mean, we're talking knockout walls for the, for the room, change the curriculum, change the staff, change the, yeah, I changed everything. And we broke three all-time records and high, high time records in 34 years in 16 months. And right after that happened, just weeks uh, after that news came out, I was falsely accused by the president and uh, fired on the spot illegally. And I was shocked. I thought, 
I thought I would have won most dedicated award. I mean, I know every security guard had walked me to my car at night and um, multiple times. And I, I just, I didn't even have a category. I was, I could hardly talk. I was just Out so shocked. Like you had no concept that this was coming. Well, no, the thing is, I, I had a concept that, that he was paying quite a bit of attention to me in a negative way. And I mean, like, uh, kind of, it was kind of eerie, honestly. I, I, I didn't like it. I told my boss, I said, you know what? I think the president admires me and hates me. And uh, my boss, the provost said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Love, hate, hate, hate love, hate relationship. I said, no, no, no. Admire hate. It is very different. And and I didn't know what he was going to do. Uh, and people would talk to me and tell me this president has it in for you. And I'm like, I don't, you know, I, I, for some reason, he's he seems, people would tell me he's obsessed with you. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, it's something's really, really wrong. Um, but I just didn't think I'd get fired illegally. The shock to me was I'm protected by a contract. I have multiple protections here. And it's it's just unthinkable that a quote unquote Christian place with would not follow the policies and not follow the contract. At APU, where I, I chaired the ministry department at APU for years. And if we had somebody who was really not performing well, it took us one whole year to fire them. So I thought if you're going to try to fire somebody, you have to start working on it and you, you get a whole year's notice. But for me, uh, it just happened kaboom on the spot. So how did, so you, how respond? did you respond? What did you do? What did you do? Well, thinking back to hope, I mean, it goes back to the fact that I know God. And I'm not just saying I'm the only one who knows God, right? God wants everyone to know Him, know Himself. But but by, by His grace, I, I did know Him. And in that moment... Um, I had apprised myself of the handbook and the contract. I understood the legal protections and the policies. And I could tell in the room, the president had brought HR, the HR director in the room, and I could tell they were just shooting bullets through the, through the handbook, through the policies, through California law, through, through, uh, really it's state law, but it's federal law too. You can't just break contracts. And so uh, when I saw that happening, the, I had visitations from the God. I just, I, what I heard, I thought I heard the Lord right before he said it, tell me I'm here. And I just, I just sensed the Lord was there. And then boom, he fired me. And right then I thought, wow, he thinks he fired me, but he just, I thought he, he just hung himself is what I really thought he did. So I was actually very calm. And so uh, when it was over, I just, I shook his hand and I said, God bless you. And, you know, I said his first name and I said, God bless you and shook his hand. And my boss was shocked. He said, he fired her on the spot. And she said, God bless you. <laughs> but um, in the Lord, that's pretty incredible. But that really opened up then a long process of sort of havoc in your life. Oh, havoc is so true. Okay. Now see, now, the, now this is again where I told you sometimes you can have hope and then you have, you have hope. So I have a gift of hope, yeah. but sometimes I'm having hope. Um, you want to put your hope in God, right? So I put my hope in God, but sometimes we put my hope in the situation, and then the situation would absolutely crash. Just like with my parents' marriage going, Sarah, you have to put hope in God. So, so honey, 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 and I'm speaking to myself. I'm going, you know what? Your mom and dad, they made different decisions, and I'm not going to make decisions like that. Lord, help me 
help me not to make that decision to at least just get on my knees and be so truthful and cough it out and be, when I say cough, I mean, cough out the truth mm-hmm. and see if you can work things out. And my parents weren't, weren't on their knees. They weren't saying the hard truth. They weren't, they weren't just saying, let's repent our way out of it. It wasn't happening that way, especially with my father. And so now it's like, I, I have a president who is utterly recalcitrant. I mean, he will not budge. Mm-hmm. And A.W. Tozer's grandson went with me to try to help help the, them follow their own policy. So my hope was unfounded in the sense that I was hoping, I thought, well, you know, I'm not really that afraid because the president is just in big trouble because he didn't follow the policy. So he's going to get in trouble now. And the fact is he didn't. The board stood with him and the board breached my contract multiple times more. And now I was really in a tailspin and I had to learn hoping in God is very different from hoping in the people or hoping in the law or hoping that the, that the Christian leaders are going to, you know, the professing Christian leaders of the professing Christian, Christian school are, are going to do the basic right thing that non-Christians would probably do. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm in a big tailspin going, okay, Lord, I am, I'm completely shocked. And so then I really, what at that point it was like, now it's really time to repent, Sarah, and really mm-hmm. humble yourself. Because I started seeing scriptures that I really didn't pay attention to so much because I'm, I was, I'm coming to the Lord. I'm scandalized. And I'm like, Lord, blah, 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 blah. And then I, I'm reading Matthew 10 and Jesus says, behold, I'm sending you out like sheep in the midst of wolves. I'm like, what? You sent me? You sent me out in the midst of wolves? Good grief. I've only read that 1,200 times in my life, but I never really heard you. I didn't know you were talking to me when you said you. You sending me. (laughs) I didn't know you meant me when you said me. (laughs) Yeah, and don't you think, though, because you don't think of the wolves as other Christians. Right. 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 Hard to reconcile that. Like, why does God allow that to happen? I mean, you almost can't just say that. You almost have to just surrender to what's happening and do what you did, which is just to run to him. Well, Lord. you know, and people started calling the president Pharaoh. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And and I, my situation was so bad. My contract was breached so many multiple times. The board chair looked at me right in the eye. The board chair of the quote unquote Christian school said, Sarah, sometimes you have to put money above God. And he said that in front of the denominational leader. And he said that in front of the provost and everybody just acted like nothing. And I was mortified and I'm thinking, okay, there's some shameless sin happening here. Now, what do I do? And, and so things were so bad that I finally just decided, okay, Lord, I'm going to take it that you're behind this because in a normal situation, nobody would do that. It is so financially, legally crazy. It's suicidal. It's so self-destructive to do that. So I thought, okay, Lord, I'm just going to decide you're behind this. And for a few months, I was so weak. I could barely do anything. And, and, but I was groping my way through Psalms. And Mm -hmm. in Psalm 105, verse 17, it says, And the Lord sent before them Joseph who was sold as a slave 
And I didn't tell you this, but I, when I got to um, the, the school, is called Simpson University here in Redding, California. And when I got out there, people kept telling me I was David. They kept telling me I was Joseph. I got told that for, man, over a year, multiple people kept telling me that. And I'd think like, okay, David, maybe I understand that because I, I get it that this president has a, has a uh, he's quite unsettled just by my being here, but um, it appears to me. And um, and many others, but Joseph, I'm not Joseph. I don't, I don't know. I think they're wrong, but oh well. People say things. And now again, here, here's my presumption and my lack of humility. I'm just completely in my mind thinking I'm not Joseph. And now here it is, uh, about two years into it, and I'm reading this, or maybe not quite two years into it, but I'm finding God sent Joseph ahead, and and that just jumped out of the Bible to me, and I went sent. You sent him ahead and he got betrayed about his brothers and lied. His brothers betrayed him. They were mean to him. They lied about him. And now he's a slave. And now he's going to be lied about again, that he raped the Pharaoh's wife. And I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm not in jail. I've been falsely accused, but I wasn't a falsely accused in the way Joseph was. And you're, I think you're sending me ahead, but I have no idea what you're sending me ahead to. And I had to wait. Hmm. And when did it start making sense? Like, do you see it now? Oh, I see it now. So when I was, that was, that was in 2012. Okay. Um, And so let me, but let me back up because my story is actually much worse than I said. So (laughs) part of it is this, I got fired illegally by the president on the basis of a false accusation. The board stood with him and further breached my contract. And the board went along and covered up what they knew was a lie. They reprimanded the president, put a letter in his file, and covered up the lies about me. The faculty rallied, hired their own lawyer against the university lawyer, and they all stood up with me mm-hmm. And because my contract was their contract. And I ended up getting... Uh, the board overturned three of its own decisions. They vacated three board decisions, and I was reinstated. Now, after I was reinstated, I found out of a bigger lie, and the bigger lie was back in June, Ju- in July 2011. I had filed a grievance against the president. The board put together a five-person ad hoc grievance committee, and that grievance committee voted 5-0 to reinstate me. Now, I did not know that because it was announced that they voted 5-0 to uphold the termination. And I was unemployed for five months on the basis of a false accusation by the president, covered up by multiple breaches by the board, and a board that put money above God with shamelessly with the, with the board chair announcing that to me in a meeting with three, you know, there were three other people listening, um, including myself. And now, on top of that, a major lie. And I looked it up in the law. That's not just a civil problem. That's actually a crime. It's a misdemeanor. You cannot lie about a grievance. Okay? So what happened is I found out about that. Somebody on the board leaked it to me and who was on the committee. And then another person on the committee leaked it to me. So that happened in the summer of 2011. In 2012, I found out about this lie. Well, they told me when I came back that we were going to work things out. They were going to clear up my reputation, and they didn't. So bottom line is I ended up blowing the whistle because after so many, I made effort after effort to get with them and get things straightened out because I thought I'm the dean of Tozer Seminary, and we can't have Tozer. We have to have things clean at the foundational level. 
We've got to build this on the rock of Christ. And right now we got the wrong rock. This isn't a rock. It's we've got a problem. So anyhow, when I blew the whistle, I got fired again, this time over email, again on a false accusation by someone who wasn't my boss. Okay. And that guy's, that guy, I mean, it's just incredible. What there's too many, I'm tempted to say things, but I want to be careful um, because I want to be honorable in the way that I say this. Okay. But so the short of it is the faculty then are telling me, please sue them. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I did not come here to sue. And, and I did Matthew 18. I did um, with eight, I did all four steps of Matthew 18, where Jesus tells you how to deal with the conflict. And if you tell, tell them in private, tell them with one or two, tell the, tell the church. And if they don't turn around, then you just treat them as if they're non-believers. So I'm like, okay. And I'm getting this from Jesus himself. So I, nobody would do Matthew 18. I went to the president of the denomination sponsoring. He told me they have no authority. He said they don't, they don't have authority over the school. So I'm like, okay. Then one last thing, the, the seminary students collectively confronted the fellow who wasn't my boss, who fired me illegally the second time with the different chair of the board who was covering up all this. And I'm quite sure the chair of the board knows exactly what the chair of the board's covering up. And the seminary students, one of them stood up and said, look, is this a Christian university or is this just, is, is this a Christian organization or is this a business? And the, mm-hmm. and the guy who fired me said, this is a business. Oh my Lord. And so I thought, okay, that's it. So I filed a lawsuit. And then what happened was their lawyer, Simpson's lawyer flipped the case and appealed to religious defenses. And they're saying, because we're Christians, we don't have to file, we don't have to honor a contract. And we're going to try to get the whole thing thrown out of court because we 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 can appeal to the First Amendment religious freedom. Now, this to me is so utterly grievous because religious freedom is somebody like Jack the Baker who wants to make put the messages he wants on his cake. That's real religious freedom. This is this is a cover up, and it's like when you see the sex scandals and molesting children, and they want to call for religious freedom. We have the religious freedom to do this. This is ab- It's just. I believe it's taking God's name in vain. And I think, and there's, that's the only commandment where there's a punishment attached to it. And so I, I fear for them. And I, I pray that, that they get caught in the lawsuit for their own good. And, and, and so right now, the way the the lawsuit is structured is they attacked my contract. So we didn't even get to my story. So this lawsuit has been going on. Uh, and right now, I mean, nobody, as far as I understand it, nobody in California who works in a Christian organization has a viable, legally enforceable contract because they killed my contract. I lost at the county court level. So now we're going, what about hope? And let me just tell you a little counter melody to this, because my way of coping with this is very different from my husband's. I mean, when you talk about losing hope, my husband's just screaming, <laughs> you know, he pulled up literally two little trees out of our yard and and for him, it, it, this has just been so maddening, and but also very humbling. And so both of us, when you talk about hope, here's the short of it. We've had to distill our hope to where our hope boils down to not in anyone, 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 until we finally got to, okay, God, our hope is in God. That's mm-hmm. who our hope is in. And we and here's how we got there. We had to humble ourselves to get there. We lost hundreds of thousands of dollars. And we lost a lot because my reputation was soiled and, and, 
And now when you, you're asking me what happened in there, I'm on my knees praying a lot and out from my heart sprung right on mission. <laughs> and and yes. I think that's what God sent me ahead. God sent Joseph ahead. I never would have started right on mission if I hadn't been projectile vomited out illegally of a Christian organization twice to where I'm finally like, okay, Lord, what are you telling me to do? And I'm telling you, a whole school poured out of my head. I had over 70 courses just fell out of my head. I could, I, as fast as I could type, I was writing courses and I had faculty tell me, hire me, hire me. I'll work for you. I want you to be the leader. And I'm like, what? And it just was astounding to me how, how people came and we rallied and and my old assistant, my she's not old, she's beautiful and young, but my former assistant from Tozer, she came with me and I'm like, all right, she and I can, we can just jam together. Her name is Paku and Paku and I, we are, man, howdy, we can work well together. And we just got to work and we worked for months and months and got it all built. And, and now right on mission, <laughs> it's about it a little. That's exciting. I mean, because I think the Lord does that. He brings life in the midst of, really what what many would consider a hopeless situation and and which is ongoing you, we don't know how the outcome is going to be right i mean the legal thing is ongoing but so god still has a story there but in the meantime you've built this pretty awesome thing so so in the last you know few minutes just tell us more about it what's god been doing yeah i'm so excited well right on mission the whole mission for right on mission is to teach believers to think so christianly that you find the moral courage to act with integrity as christ followers even in the face of opposition. And so, so what happened in my story is that I I brought in a, a, a truthful culture and it didn't fit in a culture that wasn't willing to tell the truth. The, the, the context I was in had terrible financial problems and they didn't want to really be honest about it and really go to God, honest, honest, and put God above money. So I believe right on mission is a place to go. Everybody, we got to put, we got to put God above money. And so right on mission, everything's artificially low priced because I want people to be able to take courses and learn about God without going into debt. We're not using any government student uh, funding, not at all. The courses cost $350. We have 11 PhDs on our team and, uh, and, and we're a seminary and we have, we have a moral leadership program, one in teaching theology, one in independent consulting, and one in making disciples. And at the core of it all is you come in to get your mission statement. And when if you're like, oh, I don't know how to write a mission statement. Well, guess what? You don't do it. I write the statement. And I have, I've been, um, I've got a few other people who are learning how to write mission statements. And so we got a little fleet of us and you just come in and you don't have to do anything. You don't have to go anywhere. You just get on your computer on, on Zoom video and it's cost $500 to get your mission statement. And we have a conversation. And for a lot of people, it's the deepest, most significant conversation they've ever had in their life. You might want to bring a box of Kleenexes and you get your mission statement. And I can testify to that. I mean, it was pretty incredible doing that, Sarah. I mean, I, I remember thinking like, yeah, whatever, like mission statement. I mean, I've been in, I've done a lot, enough school to know, like, anyone can write a mission statement. But honestly, it was so good. I mean, Sarah did my mission statement and we just talked for a while and you just asked me questions about who I am and, and, and my life and different experiences. And by the end of it, by the time you sent me the follow-up email, sort of synthesized everything, I think that's the gift that you have. And 
I can't tell you how on point your mission statement for me was. And it just was a very emotional process too for me. Like I just genuinely loved it. I mean, if so if anybody's listening and you're wondering like, hey, how, I'm not sure where I'm going in life, what's my mission and whatnot, I would highly encourage you. It was honestly some of the best dollars I've spent. And I'm not like, honestly, like I don't, what do I care? Like it's, I mean, I'm part of your speaking team, but at the end of the day, it was just so, now everything I do, I think in context of, of that mission statement. And which is, by the way, for urging people to put their hope in God, which is, it summarizes what I do in every area of my life, urging people to put their hope in God. And I just think it's, it's right on. And so that's yeah, it's right on. It's right on mission. That's all the whole idea is. It's, and so here's the thing is that I worked at a school that in my opinion, it, it, it was not on mission. It was so off mission. And, and, and my own personal mission statement is to build integrity in the church. And I want to see integrity. I want to see everybody on mission. And so the whole time when it looked like God had abandoned me and left me to just be, you know, eaten by the scavengers, what he was doing was saying, okay, I know you care about this and I care about it too. But now if you're going to be used by me, Sarah, and the way that you want to be used by me, it's going to be on my terms. So I'm going to let you get really humbled and you're going to have to humble yourself at many levels, many layers. And, and because we're going to do this my way. Because this isn't about Sarah Sumner. This is about Jesus Christ. And he's the cornerstone. And I got to tell everybody, look, I can't be there for you. And I can't, I can't make other people do what they ought to do. But, but I can tell you about Jesus. And Jesus can help you do what you ought to do. And when you find that out and you're in relationship with Jesus and you see the power of Jesus and how he can turn a situation around and the very thing that you're so ached and pained about that is that you should be he's going to use you to do something to bring resolve and hope and truth and love and peace and joy to that very problem and that probably has something to do with your mission statement and it certainly has something to do with the kingdom of God oh it's so good what's your mission statement yeah, to build integrity in the church. I love it. It's so on point. You know, um, like, what would you tell the person who's listening here as we wrap up? Uh, I wanted you to tell them what, how they can access all of your stuff in a second. But how, what would you tell a person who's in the middle of being just treated, mistreated, just treated unfairly, and they're just not at a point yet where can, they can see the clarity? They don't have the right on mission. They they feel wrongly treated and they're hurting. How would you... What could they do today even to try to get out of that fog? Yeah. Well, first of all, I want to validate if you've been sinned against, I, I'm so, 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 so sorry about what happened to you. And what I would say is get into Romans chapter five and read Romans chapter five over and over because it says we exult in our tribulation. We exult in God. We exult and, and we have hope in God and hope in God does not disappoint. And so we can exult in our tribulations. And what that means is, is that you can, you can have, you can praise God right in the middle of the terrible thing that happened, whether you're Joseph and you've been accused of raping someone you didn't touch, who went after you, and now you're in jail and you're a slave. And this goes on for two years. Or if you're in my case and somebody wants to throw you, your whole national reputation under the bus and have a whole cadre of people basically colluding in a lie about you. And uh, or whatever happened, if something happened to you, whatever your story is, when you hope in God, that's that transcends the situation. It takes you helicopters you above the situation. You go above the situation, 
and they say, okay, Lord, you allowed this. Now help me get on my knees and not think too highly of myself. And now help me not think too lowly of God. Now, God, what are you going to do? Because I care and I'm outraged by this, and which is obeying a commandment, abhor what is evil. And now, Lord, help me to cling to what is good. And I pray that you use me to do something. Help me, Lord, so that this doesn't happen again to somebody else. That's what I would say. That's good. And so, yeah, you do have some awesome courses. And by the way, I'm so proud to be part of your speaking team and look forward to what God has. I have so much hope for the future and what God has. We're so uh, glad to have you, Lena. Honestly, it's going to be fun. It is fun. And so tell us how to access these courses and and emissions. Yeah, we have a really simple um, to easy to use website. It's R-I-G- R-I-G-H-T-O-N-M-I-S-S-I-O-N.org, rightonmission.org. It's just rightonmission.org. And when you go to that, and anybody can email me directly, I'm Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, at rightonmission.org. And if you want to come get your mission statement, I'd love to write it for you. If you want to um, take a course, we have a course going on right now called Gospel Narratives. We have one starting in September called De- Developing a Christian Mind. I'm going to be teaching a class in February called uh, Knowing Father God. We have uh, Tom Mount coming. Uh, he's going to be teaching the Holy Spirit of Truth in January and a, and a course called Suffering and Healing in March. We have a whole battery of things. And uh I could go on and on. If if you want to, if if you don't know what you, if you're kind of lost and you go, boy, I wish I knew what I was. I don't even know what I want to do, or I I I think I have an idea of what I want to do, but I don't know how. Come take our strategic futuring course, uh, because that'll change your relationship with your future, and it is a deep discipleship program. Uh, actually, Dr. Lena's fixing to take that herself. I am. I am. I gotta commit to giving you all of the hours that are required, <laughs> which are not. But I, uh, I really am looking forward to it. And uh, I'm just so grateful that you took the time to be with us today, Sarah. I really value our friendship and uh, just, just love knowing your story even more today. I've gleaned some new things about your story that I hadn't heard before and rejoice in the Lord in it. Yes. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. And, and Lena, uh, may you flourish as you're urging people to put their hope in God. I mean, this, this is, this is, you're, you're the perfect person to be, um, talking about this uh, given your own background and uh, urgency and excellent preaching gift that's awesome listen guys if you're still listening I hope that you are you can email me lena at livingwithpower.org I'd love to pray with you and over you and for you and uh, you know that you guys can access all of our materials at livingwithpower.org plenty for you guys free resources uh, bible studies and uh, if you didn't remember uh, Sarah's uh, website rightonmission.org Uh, I will catch you guys in the next podcast. It's been fun to be with you today. Take care.